Welcome to the Learn, Liken, and Lift podcast. I'm your coach, Carrie Hickenlooper. Let's get started. How many of us have asked that question before? Who am I? And I think the question that we're really asking, or at least follows this question up, is what am I worth? Am I the sum of all my accomplishments? Am I the level of sports team that I belong to? The grades that I achieve? Am I only as good as the results that I get? Or am I defined by what I didn't accomplish? My unmet expectations? My failures? My weakness? Am I what I produce? Am I the food that I place on the table for my family? Or whether or not I breastfed or co-slept or any of those parenting decisions that we have to make? Am I my job title that I hold? The achievements that my children accomplish, their happiness, their level of success, their choices. Am I my outward appearance? Am I the color of my skin or the jewelry or the clothes that we wear? Is it the way that I do my hair or am I my weight? Am I literally... The amount of pull that gravity must have in order to keep my feet planted here on earth. Am I that number? And speaking of numbers, am I the number in my checking account? Or the number I owe in debt? Am I the size clothes that I wear? Or am I the score of, I don't know, the SAT, the ACT, any myriad of letters that you can put together? Am I that? Or am I the number of real friends that I have that I can call upon? Or am I the number of followers that I have on social media? What about those likes, the ones that I desperately want? Am I that number? Or if I get hardly any, does that reflect my worth? Is that who I am? Is who I am determined by the opinions of others, whether they think I'm smart or cool or acceptable to be around? Is my value as finicky as a current trend or the thoughts and the feelings of others? Can people, simply by disagreeing with me or disapproving of me, can they take away my percentage points of worth? Can their approval get it back? Am I the groups that I belong to, advocate for, seek approval from? Or am I my ambitions that I have? The bigger the goals, the more spectacular my dreams sound. If I can wow people, does that make me more? Guess what? No. You're none of those things. Yes, these might be the results of hard work or tender mercies extended to you, but really what they are are just circumstances. They are what they are until you attach some meaning to them. But who you are, the truth, is you're a child of God. You're his daughter. And there is no other group you could belong to or definition that you could define yourself by that will beat that. You and I... We're his work and his glory. I want you to close your eyes. Just take a minute. Unless you're driving, don't close your eyes now. But place your hand on your heart. Don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. (laughs) But I want you to say, I am his work and I am his glory. I am a daughter of God. What do you feel when you say that? I can tell you. It's called truth. 
and it's called light. The light that shines within you when you acknowledge and speak to your true identity. Long ago, before this earth was even created, God the Father had a desire. In fact, it was his compelling reason to create this earth for us in the first place. And that desire and that complete focus of his life was to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of you and I. That's his work. And that's his glory and everything that he has set in place. Everything, the plan of happiness, the atonement of Jesus Christ, temples, covenants, commandments, even our families, all of that work. And you know all of that is work. It's for you. And why? It's simply because of who you are. You're his. And because you're his, your worth was already established upon your creation. It's fixed. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't add and you can't subtract from your worth. You are 100%. It's already been settled. What's left is for you to learn about your relationship with God. And when you do, that's when you can answer the question in confidence, who am I? So where should we begin? Let's begin with Moses. I invite you to study Moses chapter 1. I love the truths that this chapter reveals to us. It's all about relationships and purpose and the power that comes to us when we stand in our true identities. And when we look at these verses through the lens of who am I, we can learn a lot about how we hold on to those true identities and not shrink. And how we can allow God's work and his glory within us to work, strengthening us and filling us with the confidence that we need in order to be able to reject the messages of the adversary and then to carry out our purpose here on earth. I first want you to notice how God shows up and how he introduces himself to Moses. He says, I am the Lord God Almighty. I am endless without beginning of days or end of years. Next, he then declares who Moses is. And behold, thou art my son. I love the relationship that is established here for three reasons. First, we can learn a thing or two about the way God shows up and introduces himself. He presents his true identity, not his false self. He says, I am the Almighty. I am endless. Now, I know it wouldn't be socially acceptable (laughs) to walk around and then introduce yourself as the daughter of the Lord God Almighty, who is full of grace and truth like her heavenly parents and her Redeemer. That might be weird, (laughs) but you can project it. You can sure hold on to the ground of what's true and empowering about you. You can allow it to shine through your eyes. You can stop all that self-deprecating talk going on in your brain. And you can allow virtuous thoughts that are true to enter your mind. Remember how God leads his interactions. He presents his true characteristics and attributes. And being the daughter of the great I am, what are you allowing to follow your I am's, either spoken or unspoken? I want you to think about that. Next, I love how God immediately elevates Moses and he establishes their relationship. And behold, Moses, thou art my son. Now, of course, Moses isn't close to God in glory. But look at the honor and the respect that God shows Moses. 
look at the relationship that God is establishing between he and Moses. And of course he does. (laughs) Moses is his work and his glory. It's exactly how God would speak to you if he was to talk to you face to face. And speaking of Moses not being even close to God's glory, notice the witness that we get from Moses on how he was even able to stand in the presence of God in the first place. He had to be transfigured. The mortal Moses would not have been able to endure God's glory. That this transformation, it expanded everything for Moses. His physical form and capabilities, his endurance of strength, his eyesight, his uh, comprehension and appreciation for things. And this elevation, it enabled Moses to behold a God's life and a God's work. And no doubt, it felt invigorating and hope and full of assurance that God was capable of Moses' reliance upon him and his trust. And I give you the challenge to practice this transformation in your own relationships. This alone will transform the way that you answer the question, who am I, and the way you feel about it. For example, I have a friend that I go walking with, and I never ever would think about bringing up gossip to her or criticizing someone in her presence. It just, it would just be bad taste. It just is not someone that I would do that with. She has elevated me and I have elevated her. And I would never, we go walking early in the morning, and I never would think about starting our day on such a sour note. But because we have both elevated one another, our relationship is then elevated. And it's actually been a challenge for me. I remember at the very beginning, could I possibly think of positive things to say to her for a whole hour? (laughs) Yes, that's where I was at in life. Could I really not bring up my concerns and my woes and all of that stuff? But day after day, as I made this attempt to stay elevated and transformed, things came to my mind. My eyes, my mind were enlightened. I thought of things to be able to say. So did she. She's really good at that. And I noticed that we could go three miles and be elevated. And this transformed my view about myself. It expanded my mind. It sharpened my awareness of the good things in life. So what can you take away from this introduction? If we desire to know who we are, because of our direct lineage with God, we must know who he is. And then we have to discover how are we like him. And then intentionally reflect that. Are you merciful with others? Then reflect mercy. Are you full of love? Then you're the one who brings love to the party. Are you full of truth? Then don't deny it, but speak it. Next, God tells Moses that he has a work for Moses to do, but at this point, he doesn't reveal it yet. Instead, he just further reveals information about Moses. He tells Moses that Moses was in the similitude of his only begotten, who is the Savior, full of grace and truth. It's here that God tells Moses truth about Moses. So what truths is God trying to reveal to you about you? What does your patriarchal blessing say? What have your experiences shown you? What attributes do you possess that are like those Christ-like attributes that we're all trying to strive for? 
And if you don't know, how are you supposed to fulfill your purpose when it's revealed to you? What tools are you expecting to use? These tools that he reveals to us are the exact tools for the work that we will do here. Eventually, this encounter between father and son, it comes to an end and God removing himself leaves Moses depleted and without strength. And I'm sure loneliness and weakness and vulnerability probably enveloped Moses. And Moses experienced this lack of strength for several hours in which he finally concluded, now being given the opportunity to discern that compared to God's strength, compared to God's creations, compared to God's ability to orchestrate and maneuver and care for and devote himself to his creations, Moses concludes that man is nothing, nothing in comparison to God. Now, Moses will later discover that not all of God's glory had been removed from him. But it's interesting to note how exhausting such spiritual interactions can be for us mortals. And a pattern that we must be aware of. Something we need to actually train ourselves to recognize and realize that nothing has gone wrong when it shows up is there is opposition in all things. When we experience great manifestations of the Spirit like Moses did, when we learn who we are, we need to expect some similar intensity of opposition to push back on it. And has anything gone wrong when this shows up? No. And what do I mean by this? What does this look like? This can just look like our everyday revelation that we get. The good ideas that bubble up the expressions of love that we're prompted to express to others, the phone call that we feel impressed to make, the awareness of a spiritual gift that we must have, and what happens? We get opposition. We start to doubt that we can make a difference, that those ideas might actually be a little foolish. That, And we start to fear that we might intrude or look a little silly or maybe we'll even be rejected. Or we start to even reject ourselves. If we notice something good about ourselves, then we'll say five things that we don't like about ourselves. And it's so convincing. This opposition, it just always hits right at our insecurities. And I ask you, are you falling for these temptations? Are you falling for the opposition? Are you denying the light and actually believing the opposition that shows up? Well, Moses had opposition to his experience with God. And he was given an opportunity to discern. And our own discernment can be strengthened if we study what Moses did. So there's Moses, and he's believing that he had been left to his own natural man strength. And who should come along? But Satan. (laughs) I kind of sound like the church lady when I say that, but he did. He shows up. And notice how Satan establishes his relationship with Moses. First, He dishonors the true identity of Moses. He says, Moses, son of man, worship me. And I want you to compare that to how God addressed Moses. God introduces himself and his magnificence because he can. He's God. And then he elevates Moses and Moses' comprehension of himself by addressing his true nature. You are my son. Do you see that lifting that's happening? But Satan, no, there's no lifting. He comes in demeaning and demanding, worship me. It's obvious why Satan has to do this. He would need to lie about Moses' true divinity. What 
possible influence could Satan have if he tried to meet Moses where the truth resided? He needs to knock Moses down a peg or two. And yet in our day-to-day, how many of us are missing this obvious strategy that the, that the adversary is using with us? What greatness must you possess if he's using this against you? And by keeping him on repeat and keeping those dishonoring definitions going over and over again in your mind, what is this distracting you from actually knowing, feeling, and doing that you're meant to be doing? We have so much to learn from Moses' response. First, he holds on to the truth of his divine nature. He acts with grace and truth. The skills that God told him, Moses, you possess these. And he didn't squander that power away by falling for the lie that he is less than. Instead, he holds on to his divine nature. And next, he discerns between the interactions that he's having. Between the messages, this one contains glory. This one has no glory. Moses discerned that when he was in the presence of God, he had to be transfigured, literally elevated and enlightened. However, with Satan, there's no transformation taking place. His natural state was good enough for the devil to communicate with. There was no higher ground or elevated state to aspire to when dealing with Lucifer. In fact, when Lucifer enters the room, we need to be diminished. And he's completely fine, diminishing us all the way down to the gutter. And that's where he'll meet with us. And this is the same discernment that we must use against each and every message that's being thrown our way. Does it elevate? Does it enlighten? Or does it diminish me? Now notice what Moses does next. He pushes back with all the strength of his true identity. And while he's doing this, he realizes, oh, God's glory hasn't completely left me. It's it's giving me power to discern. And so what does Moses use to push back against the adversary? He starts to recall the commandments that God had given him, remembering that God had told Moses to call upon him, to worship only him. And just like God knows with us, God knew the spiritual danger that Moses was going to be susceptible to, and God prepared him. He did what any parent would do. When a child is afraid or uncertain or about to walk out on his own and take on life and the world and all that that has to offer, he does what we do where we take that child's face in our hands and we teach them to keep their eye on the Savior. And God taught Moses where to focus when temptation arose. He said, focus on me, worship me, keep my commandments. And reviewing this information out loud, it allowed Moses to stand and even kind of withstand the temper tantrums that Satan is having. And I want you to notice when you when you read these verses, just the high emotional reactivity that Satan has. There's lots of crying with a loud voice and ranting and lying and weeping and wailing and gnashing of his teeth. It's terrifying. And we know what that feels like. We know when we are not in our true identity, when we are believing falsehoods, we know what all of that feels like. It's scary if we pay attention to it. We know that the way we define ourselves can take and has taken some major hits 
when we have opposition rise up against us, ranting at us and claiming that we have no worth. And just like Moses, that fear in us, it rises up and we think for a moment that that opposing voice, it might be right. And when we start to listen to that voice and allow it to linger longer than we ought to, if we heed it, we are then being exposed to the depths that the adversary would have us sink to. And I know you have felt that. And just like us, when Moses began to fear the wrath of Satan, it's in this moment that that fear, it actually opens up a vision that's very clear as to the bitterness that hell had to offer Moses. But despite this vision, despite Satan's tantrums, it's not all lost. It's here when Moses finally calls upon God. Notice he hadn't done that before. He's standing in righteousness. He's testifying. He's even recalling what God has told him to do. He was commanding even Satan to depart. But it wasn't until Moses called upon God that Moses received strength enough to make a difference. And it wasn't until he commanded in the name of the only begotten that Satan finally departed. How many of us are going about our day and we're determined that we're going to hold on to our true identity and we're going to stand as a witness of God and we're going to testify. We do. We testify and we even recall the commandments of God, but we're coming home and we're beaten down and we're wounded because we failed to invite the Lord to do our day with us, doing things in his name. It's as if we've relied on our own strength and not upon the Savior's. And here with Moses, we learn how far that plan gets us and how much further we can go when we invite the Lord to be a part of it. So once Satan is gone, Moses is then able to look back up to heaven and he's filled once again with the Holy Ghost. He's able to behold God's glory and he receives reassurance that he has done well with the teachings that God has given him. And now God gives him more of his purpose. It's revealed to him more. And that causes me to wonder again, what purpose is waiting to be revealed to you? But it just can't be right now. Because the adversary right now is just, he's lingering longer than he should be allowed to. We're still allowing him to lie to us and we're entertaining those lies rather than casting him out and looking to heaven for truth. So that's what I'm going to encourage you to do this week. I encourage you to invite the Savior to be a part of your day, each and every day, specifically asking him to reveal to you along the way your true identity. And then I instruct you as your life coach, <laughs> do not doubt it. Do not cast the virtue that you learn to hold on to the filth that the adversary would give you. Instead, I want you to write it down and I want you to practice believing it because you're not doubting it. So for one week, I want you to write down 10 things that are true that you love about you. And that's going to be 70 truths that reveal to you your true identity. That's a lot of light. Go for 100, you overachievers. Do it. I know 100 just feels better, right? <laughs> Do it. And then I want you to practice believing each of these truths. Because when you are these things, 
That's when you are at your best. That's when you're transformed. That's when you're elevated. That is when you are living your true identity. That's who you are. And as you do so, you will feel light and you will feel lift and you will feel transformation. And I want you to pay attention to these moments. And I know that it's going to be hard at first because where there is light, there's going to be opposition. And so it's going to feel a little uncomfortable. But I want you to rely upon the spirit to tell you about you and then discern, discern the opposition that rises up. Does it enlighten? Does it elevate or does it diminish me? And as you discern your purpose here on earth, it's finally going to become more clear as you hold on to those truths. And you're finally going to have a list of tools that are going to enable you to accomplish your purpose. Because no longer are you going to allow Satan to squash you and waste your time. We just don't have time for that. So don't give him another second and start answering that question. Who am I? If you liked this podcast and you know a young woman, a young adult, a mother, a grandmother, a daughter of God who could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Also, if you can give, learn, liken, and lift a rating and a review, I would love that. Join me on Instagram at Carrie Hickenlooper Coaching, where we'll continue the discussion of this podcast there with coaching tips and a space for you to share your thoughts and most importantly, your results as you learn, liken, and lift.